Well, hey, good morning, everybody. Good to see you this morning. I want to welcome you guys in this room. We get to spend some time together. Welcome if you're watching online, and big shout out to the new campus, especially, and our other campuses joining us today. Happy Sunday, everybody. And if we have not had the chance to meet, which is most of us, my name is Pat Linnell, and I'm happy to be here today. So we're going to be spending some time together. We're going to get into the Word together, but since we're like on a first date, I thought just get to know me a little bit here for a second. Uh, this is a picture of my fam back home. I've been married to Kristen. Turns out she is my high school sweetheart. We're coming up on 19 years, and we have four awesome kids. Yeah, like, I'll take that, because, like, that's a milestone, man. We're coming up on it. Uh, we have four kids, and don't be fooled, that picture right there took uh, half an hour to get with a professional photographer. So that's us once every blue moon, looking that put together. Uh, also, uh, I flew up from, I live in Maryland, I flew up yesterday morning. Part of the fun things about coming to visit churches and kicking off Grace Bomb like we're going to do is I get to do a rental car, because back home we have two really old <laughs> beaters, one of which is a minivan, so I would like died to cool very long time ago. But I also learned that I can go toe-to-toe with any pickup truck in my Honda Odyssey. And here's why. Because when you strip all the seats out the back, you can fit full sheets of drywall in the back of that van, which most trucks, I'm sorry about it, guys, most trucks you can't get full sheets just to lay flat in like that. I've had riding lawnmowers, no kidding, uh, ATVs, motorcycles in the back of this thing. We're, kinda, we're coming up on 300,000 miles on the Linnell family minivan, and she's still kicking, leaking oil like a champ, but still kicking. <laughs> Last year, just to like, give you another little picture here, um, I bought two old 20-year-old jet skis off the side of the road last summer. Never do that, by the way. Uh, they didn't last. Totally bad investment. But could you picture family of six, minivan, two jet skis, heavy load, every little bump, the bottom of that thing was scraping all the way down to the beach. Those jet skis lasted about a half an hour on the water. So again, don't do it. But I, I bring that up, A, to let you know I'm not as cool as I seem, and B, our minivan has absolutely fulfilled its purpose. The minivan, when she gets to the end of her life, she'll be able to look back and say, no regrets. We, we did it. We lived what, what we were supposed to do together because anything assembled, manufactured, put together has been done so for a purpose. And I bring that up because our place in this world, in Christ, we've been assembled, put together in Christ for a purpose. And we're going to get into what that purpose is today, because indeed, we have been assembled, manufactured, and put together for a very specific reason. So we're going to get into all of this, but first, would you just join me in prayer as we get our minds and our hearts ready to open up God's Word together? Well, Heavenly Father, we just pause here to say thank you for your altogether good, helpful, and practical Word. And now as we sit under the authority of your word in the power of the Holy Spirit, I pray that you would change us from the inside out 
Do only what you can do, the heavy spiritual lifting in helping us leave differently than we came in today. This is your work, and we trust you to do it, and we pray this in the mighty name of Jesus this morning, and all God's people said, amen. Now, when we come up with this idea of our purpose in this world, let me just say that ultimately our purpose in this world is to know and to walk in a right relationship with our creator. That's why we're here on the planet. But Paul, to the letter of the, in the letter to the Ephesians, laser locks in on one facet of our very specific purpose on this earth. So let's get into it. I'm only going to walk through one key verse today, but I do want to set the context before we get in to our message entitled Grace Built People. So this comes, before we look at the verse, this comes from Ephesians chapter 2. And I know you guys are a good Bible-taught church. Not that you have to have Ephesians 2 memorized, but let me just summarize what Paul was saying here. In the beginning of Ephesians 2, he's just reminding us that we were dead in our trespasses and sins, spiritually separated and disconnected from God without hope in the world. And then verse 4, but God steps in, Jesus steps in, and he transfers us out of this kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light, into his Son, making us alive alive in Christ, giving us a new identity and a new way forward. And Paul is painting this amazing picture of what was and now what is. And we're reminded in Ephesians 2 verses 8 and 9 that this whole situation of us being taken from death to life has been done so by way of a gift. And so here's here's the summary statement. For by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not of your own doing. It is the gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one may boast. Now again, I know this is probably just refresher and reminder for you guys, but it's important that we start here because... We do live in a very religiously-minded world today. What do I mean by that? What I mean by that is, if you were to go out later, just at Walmart, shopping, Target, wherever, and not that you would do this, but let's just say you just did a random man-on-the-street interview with somebody, and you pulled somebody aside and you said, hey, if God is real and heaven exists, how do you get in? You're probably going to get a typical American answer, which is, well, I suppose if God is real and he does exist and that whole thing is, is legit, well, then I would hope that my good deeds would outweigh my bad deeds. And if my good deeds outweigh my bad deeds, then he probably let, would let me into the good place. That's a typical American answer of thinking that if we're just good enough, we can make our way in to God's good graces. But the problem is the Bible does not uh, explain anywhere that God holds up a heavenly scale where our good is supposed to outweigh our bad. No, we have been brought into the situation of new life, not through a scale, but through a gift. The gift of the sacrifice of the Son, the atoning work of Jesus on the cross. And that is a gift that can only be received by faith. We have nothing to boast about. What an amazing gift that is. And so we just want to have that fresh in our minds as the summary statement that leads us to our key verse this morning. All right. So you ready for it? Nope. I'll try that again. Our key verse this morning, Ephesians 2.10. You ready for it? 
All right, now that's what I'm talking about. I'll get the blood pumping a little bit, get it flowing. Let me read it all at once at first, and then I want to break it down slowly for us. Because this is an often overlooked part of this whole situation and absolutely critical for our world today. For we, those together in Christ, are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. This first little phrase, we are his workmanship, this idea of workmanship is to be assembled, crafted, put together almost beautifully like a poem. It's got this idea of being arranged and intentional, almost as if we're rolling off this this spiritually assembly line and God has made something out of us and he's making us into something. It's incredibly intentional and beautiful. And if it's true, go back to the minivan, if it's true that anything assembled, crafted, and made is done so for a purpose, then that means we have to have some purpose. But before we look at that purpose, when I think of we are his workmanship, I like to say we are grace-built people. We have been spiritually assembled. We have been made new. We have this new identity, this new creation, this new purpose to walk in with our heavenly father and all of the spiritual blessings that come with that by way of a gift. So we are grace-built people. You may not have ever thought of your identity in that way, but I like to think that we're grace-built people. Helps just me to remind who's in charge. God's in charge. He's the center of everything. And I want to be a grace-built person. And if things are made for a purpose, well, now Paul tells us what that purpose is. So let's look back at Ephesians 2.10. For we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus. For what, Paul? For good works. Good works are those practical action steps of love. It's where the, where the rubber meets the road. It's where our good intentions become real. It's where the things that we thought about doing, we actually start doing them. It's the practical outworking of loving people and doing things, these good works. Another way that I like to phrase this Uh, these two parts of this verse is, we are grace-built people meant to grace-bomb people. Now, you've seen the phrase, you've seen the logo, you you probably have the cards. What am I talking about when I'm talking about a grace-bomb? Let me define it this way. A grace-bomb is a surprising act of love motivated by Jesus. It's purposeful. It's intentional. It's because he calls us to this in this world. And so a grace bomb is something that comes sort of out of the blue and someone feels the love and somehow Jesus is involved with it. Because God's grace can kind of break into people's lives if you just thumb through the pages of scripture, you see that most of the time he's breaking into his people and breaking into this person's life and to this person's life. And they didn't see it coming. And it's this amazing grace that keeps dropping and falling. But when God's grace drops on someone, it doesn't like obliterate them. It actually puts them back together for the good. Let me give you an example of one of the very first grace bomb stories that ever came in. It was at an airport, and it's told from the recipient of that grace bomb. This was from a lady named Monica, and she says this. I was waiting at the airport, uh, waiting for my flight, 
sitting at the gate with a terrible cold. And suddenly, a very nice guy gave me a bag with tissue paper, a small box with cinnamon, ginger, and honey, earplugs, and an iced tea. He wished me to feel better. And then she says, that was one of the best surprises I have ever had in my life. Now, certainly she's got birthday gifts and anniversary presents and all these things in Monica's life. But in this moment, someone out of the blue saw an opportunity, noticed where she was, did something amazing. And when she shared that story, she also saw that this was not a random act of kindness. Like Somehow Jesus was involved in making her feel so very blessed that day. And friends, there are Monica's like this all around us. Not because I say so, but look at, what, look at where the verse goes in Ephesians 2.10. So let's go back to it. We are his workmanship, grace-built people, created in Christ Jesus for good works to grace-bomb people. Check this little phrase out right here, which God prepared beforehand. That means as you start your day on Monday, whether it's at the office or the farm or the workplace or the school, the people who might seem just to be these random background players of your life might actually be there for a divine appointment and you being there in that moment is absolutely no accident because the creator of the universe is preparing things in advance for you to walk in. Sometimes we just need eyes to see these things, ears to hear these things. Let me share a trippy story with you that came in that I think peels the curtain back of what can be happening sometimes when we grace bump someone. This is actually two stories in one. First, we heard from the person who gave the grace bomb. And then about a week later, we heard from the person who received the grace bomb. Now check this out. Sherry shares the first story, and she said, I was going out the door at Sam's Club, the big box store. Do you guys got Sam's Club up here? Yeah. There was a woman in front of me with a teenage daughter. She was so sweet and patient with this beautiful teenager that was mentally challenged. I gave her a card and some money and explained the love I saw between the two of them made my day. She asked me if she could hug me and said, thank you, Jesus. So here's this lady named Sherry leaving Sam's Club. She's touched, something tugs her heart, prompts her heart in the moment. She wants to do something to be a blessing for this stranger and her teenage daughter. And so she does. And the mom says, can I hug you? Thank you, Jesus. That was the response in the moment. So I'm, you know, I'm looking at the back channels of the Grace Bomb website. I see that. And then a week later, I get this story. This story was from Jacqueline. She says, I have a daughter who has severe cerebral palsy and mental illness. I was shopping at Sam's Club. I had just completed my order. It was a stressful day. I had spent my last money on items hoping to stretch out my food in the pantry. I had just finished praying. It seems like I had just said amen when I was grace bombed. Now, we don't always get to hear the other side of the story, but this was trippy to me. Like, not to get all like woo-woo on you guys, like, but sometimes in the moment when you're prompted and you see an opportunity and you do something about it, you might be answering the very prayer of somebody on the other end of that. 
Somebody may have been like asking God that day for a sign and you just happened to be there to do something super nice and unexpected to get them to stop in their tracks and maybe think that there's a creator perhaps who could love them because they were just loved by one of his followers. A lot of cool opportunities around us every single day. Not just like when we create community service projects, but I'm talking about everyday life. Just your normal, regular, boring life. We all lead them. We all have regular, normal, boring lives. But in the context of that, God might just be putting these amazing opportunities for us to walk in. Now, I love the Apostle Paul because when I'm reading his letters in the New Testament, he always tends to keep it real. And I love that about Paul. And I feel like he keeps it real at the end of our verse here. So we're his workmanship, grace-built people, created in Christ Jesus for good works, to grace-bound people, which God prepared beforehand. And then he's like, that we should walk in them. And what Paul's getting at is, God is not going to force you guys to do any of this. He's not going to like force your hand, strong arm you, guilt you into having to love a neighbor in a surprising way. Like he's just not going to do it. However, Paul knows that we should walk in these things because it feels amazing to carry out and to walk in our purpose. God does not force us to love people. But I can tell you there is a joy that follows obedience when we take those steps of faith to do it. So I'll keep it real. I'll tell you the last, well, first of all, number one, there's a lot of these opportunities that I ignore and I don't do. So when I get up here and I'm preaching about grace-bound people, I preach this message to myself because I need it. Because most of the time, I just want to avoid people. But I'll tell you the last grace bomb that I got to drop, and I'm glad I did it. So the last one was about a week ago, and I was shopping with the family of, you know, four, almost all teenagers now. We need like four gallons of milk every three days. Okay, so I'm just there doing my thing. And then at the grocery store, I saw a mom, and I noticed her because she had a toddler in one hand and an infant in the other with no shopping cart, and she's trying to like juggle walking out with her stuff. So we're at the self-checkout kiosk. I'm checking out. She's checking out. And she gets to the end of her scanning. She doesn't have her wallet. And she's explaining to the teller who oversees the whole thing there. She says, I got to go out to my car. I got to take my girls to the car to get my wallet, to come back to Apple Pay. Can you just leave everything right here? There's a line of people waiting. And the teller's like, okay, I'll just go ahead and I'll, I'll keep everything right here. So I'm watching all of that go down. And then, so she, so she walks out and I uh, go over and I just put my debit card. It was like 50 bucks. The Lord allowed me to do that that day. Uh, put my card in there and walked back, left her a little grace bomb. I'll explain that whole situation in a minute. And the teller was like, sir, that's, that's not your, what, what you can't. And she's like, what are you doing? And all I said to the teller was, well, this is going to be an awesome surprise for this mom when she gets back. And that was it. 
Like I didn't stick around to have a gospel conversation necessarily or ask if I could pray for her. In that moment, I just felt like that's something that I should do. And when I left, I had a joy in my heart because I did. Because I can also tell you there's been plenty of those times where I see stuff like that and I just don't care. And I just keep moving on. But it feels great to walk in our purpose. And the Bible is not silent when it comes to walking in these good works and dropping these grace bombs on people. We're told to abound in good works in 2 Corinthians, to be fruitful in good works in Colossians, to be zealous for good works, that our good works are like a sacrifice and even a testimony to the onlooking world. And whenever we start bringing up this idea of good works in our world, we have to let Jesus weigh in here when he says, you are the light of the world. Now, I get, I get it when Jesus in John chapter 8 can stand up and say, I am the light of the world. Anyone who follows me will have the light of life and won't walk in darkness. Like, I get that. You're Jesus. You're the Savior. You're the Son of God. Of course, you're the light of the world. But then, in the Sermon on the Mount, in Matthew chapter 5, Jesus has the audacity to look at you and me right square in our eyes and say, you are the light of the world. How dare he say that? But then he drives it home with a metaphor. You are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden, nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a stand and it gives light to all in the house. He's saying it doesn't make sense not to let your light shine. Well, what's the metaphor, Jesus? What are you talking about? In the same way, let your light shine before others so that... They may see your good works and give glory to your Father in heaven. We tend to have a temperament in the Christian community where we want to keep to ourselves, not really be pushing Jesus out in the world, not do a whole lot of that. Like we hold to our beliefs and we're going to respect people's beliefs. But friends, light shines. Light does a couple of things. Light gives warmth, it feels good, and it points people to reality. Let me explain it this way. Your good works, your light shining, your giving grace, first should be warm, cozy, inviting, and it should feel good. There's a river up by where we live in Maryland, and we're actually members of a community pool that's next to the river. Now, at the end of the season, there's this crazy little phenomenon that happens with the Linnell family. It's like a weird science experiment. But the pool is obviously chlorinated, sterile, amazingly clean. You can cook with that water. The river, on the other hand, is nasty. It is brown bacteria-laden, and there's warnings on the radio that you might not want to get in there with an open flesh wound. However, the pool is freezing. 
the river is 80 degrees. And when my kids roll up to the situation, 10 times out of 10, they book it down to the river, they jump in the river, they gurgle the water in the river, they spit out the water in one kid's mouth into the other kid's mouth like a fountain in the river. Why? They wanna roll around in it. Why? Because it is warm and it is inviting and it feels good. This is our calling in the world. Minus the flesh-eating bacteria part, we get to be these kind of people in the world. Now, let me ask a rhetorical question. When the onlooking world, perhaps even the unbelieving world, looks into the bride of Christ, the church, they typically, do they see warm, inviting, and cozy that they just want to splash around in? Or do they see a pretty frigid pool that if they dip their toe in, they're going to start backing away from? Well, friends, it's no secret that the world envisions the church as cold, judgmental, hypocritical. And that's just not what Jesus calls us to do. Our engagement of our neighbor should leave them walking away feeling like, dang, that felt good. And if you think about it just for a second, God's leading edge is his kindness. Also in the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus says the sun is rising and the rains are falling on the good and the evil. Paul would say, who are you to presume on the riches of his kindness? Because it's kindness. His kindness is meant to lead people to repentance. God, yes, is truth, but also grace. And we get to lead with small taste of surprising grace for the people all around us. But not randomly, not to not bring up Jesus, because light also points to truth. And the truth of the matter is this. Kindness has a source. His name is Jesus. And the small taste of grace that we get to surprise our neighbors with are just a beacon of so much more grace where that came from. But we get to be that leading edge. And at this point in the sermon, you're probably like, okay, Pat, well, I've heard that before. I mean, I grew up in church, and we even have that song, This Little Light of Mine, I'm Going to Let It Shine. I could sing it for you, but I'm terrible singing. (laughs) But you know what I'm talking about. Doing this in the world is difficult. I will tell you firsthand. Like, sure, I can tell my story about the lady at the thing. I could share other stories of what's happened. But out there in real life, the way I'm wired, being light and giving warmth and pointing to reality, it's like great on a Sunday. But on Monday with my neighbors, this is difficult. Personally, the way I'm wired, I'm an introvert. I know it doesn't seem like I'm an introvert up here because I'm like talking and, and, you know, preaching. But like this is like singing in the shower for me. In the, re- in the real world, I'm a huge disappointment. <laughs> like at a party, people are like, what's wrong with you, man? You're not that guy. I'm like, well, this is really me because I, I prepared for that. I'm not prepared for this conversation with you awkward people. I'm just meeting. Like that's how an introvert thinks. So when I'm out among my neighbors, it's really hard for me to break the ice with my neighbors. On top of that wiring, I grew up in a little town in, in Maryland where strangers equated to danger. Like, you don't 
don't mess with your neighbors if you don't want to be messed with. And so I have a slight aversion to being surprisingly awesome and bringing up these things with my neighbors. And maybe you can relate to that. And this is where the grace bomb proposition gets a little easier. This is where grace bomb becomes almost like training wheels to help us get out of our comfort zone. Now, let me explain what I'm talking about by way of these little cards. So you guys uh, maybe grab these on the way in or, or on the different campuses. Or if you're watching online, you can just go to gracebomb.org. I'll send them to you tomorrow, okay? So these Grace Bomb cards, let me explain what's happening here. Just a little cartoon on one side and a little phrase that says, you've been Grace Bombed on the other. First, these cards are a good reminder that we, as a people, have been Grace Bombed. We have been transferred out of the dominion of death and darkness, destined for an eternity separated from the creator of the universe, but now part of his family, that we've been adopted and chosen and forgiven and redeemed and sealed with the Holy Spirit this inheritance for what is to come. We have this amazing new life. We have been blessed beyond measure with innumerable riches in the heavenly places. Like, yeah, this is a good life, even when circumstances aren't great because I'm a kid of the king. Thank you for grace bombing me, Jesus. That's a reminder. These cards are also for your neighbor because this little card helps you gently implicate Jesus as the source of your kindness to any neighbor who's interested or intrigued, which kind of creates a no-strings-attached situation. So how these cards work is these cards aren't the grace bomb. The grace bomb is when you take action among your neighbor, giving sacrificially or even radically of your time, of your expertise, of your talent, of your words, or even as a couple of those described already, your money. And as you unleash that gift, this little card tags along with it because in the moment, no strings attached. And all your neighbor has to go off of is like, okay, gracebomb.org. What is that? That was awesome. What is this? 80% of the time, what most people do, they just bust out their phone. They just look up gracebomb.org. Very simple little website that lets people know in 40 seconds or so that this wasn't a random act of kindness. This was an intentional act of love. And Jesus was behind it. And we hope they felt the love today. So I know one of the things here at Berean is like 201, getting trained up to share your faith and be able to explain that to other people. I heard that. I don't even know if I'm ready for that yet. Grace Bomb allows us to put on some training wheels, to dip our toe in the water, just to start doing these things and getting out of our comfort zones. And we can do it together. Now, here's the, tr here's the training uh, manual, the instruction manual, if you will, for using a grace bomb card. Okay, ready for it? Okay, that was a little better than the first time I asked. The original, ready for it. Let's do it one more time. You ready for it? Okay, cool. Fun. Load, listen, and let her go. Load is actually just to have some grace bomb cards on you. That is a decision that you make before you leave the house. Not that you always need these things, but they're fun when the opportunity comes up. Let me tell you that. These things are kind of all spread out over the Linnell house. And there's some days I'm walking out and I'll see them and I'll just keep walking. Because <laughs> I'm like, I don't know if I want to get into Jesus today with people. But if I say, you know what? Uh, who cares? I'm just going to put them in my pocket. I actually made a decision to be open 
to a divine appointment that might be part of my day. So we load. We have Grace Bomb cards on us. And then we listen. Listening is a practice of slowing down and paying attention to that still, small voice, that nudge, that tug on your heart. Here's the theology behind this, guys. As brothers and sisters in Christ, we have made a great exchange. We have given our sin debt and our shame and our guilt to Jesus. And in exchange, he's taken those things, removed those things as far as the east is from the west. And he's given us his new declaration of righteousness before a holy God. And he's given us the person of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit takes up residence in our souls to bring to mind and to illuminate the truth that he inspired that we get to learn. And so when we see something and we're stirred, it might not be the pizza we ate last night. It might be the creator God living inside of us, welling up something in us to action. And that's when you have to let her go. And that can be the hardest thing to do because you can be like, okay, this is kind of cool. I don't know. Maybe I'll try it, whatever, have some on me. And then all of a sudden, bam, something right in front of you comes up and you're like, this could be it. I'm feeling the moment. But in that moment, we can be struck with fear, trepidation, uh, concern. What are they going to think? And so now letting her go requires this step of faith. But the cool part is, it's usually through those steps of faith, you get a little closer to where Jesus is. You with me? And again, like this doesn't have to be like, oh, giving money, giving money. Just last week, when I was at Grace Christian Fellowship up in Cortland, I talked to a guy in between the gatherings. He said, hey, I want to tell you uh, what happened when I gave this dude to Grace Bomb. I was like, hey, what happened? And he said, well, there was a Verizon worker, a young, a young guy at my house from like sunup to sundown, up on a pole, down in a ditch, uh, putting in a crazy hard day to move this cable for me. And at seven o'clock at night, I get a knock on the door. And the kid's like, sir, you got to come out. Uh, I ran into your car. And the kid's like, I think I'm going to lose my job. I'm going to get in so much trouble over this. It's going to be terrible. I just had this just ghostly look on his face. So the guy goes out, assesses the situation, and he says to this kid, hey, I'm not calling your boss, and I don't want you to worry about this. And he teed it up so perfectly, and he said, and here's why. And he just handed him a grace bomb card. And then he explained that he's been forgiven much in his life, and he wanted this kid to have a small taste of that. And it became a little conversation piece. Didn't cost any money per se, but this was a grace bomb of forgiveness. So it could be your time, could be your forgiveness, could be your words, could be a lot of things. But what I would also say is please don't underestimate the power of God in what you think is something small and not powerful at all. Please don't do that because you, friends, are mighty in the hand of the Lord. So I just want to close by telling you one story that I think helps us um, perhaps get excited about what something small can do in your neighbor's life. This story comes from my own family just from a few years back. 
And I had that family picture up there for you earlier. My younger daughter, Scarlett, was seven years old at the time. And it was a Wednesday, and I came home after a long day of work. And she said, Dad, can we go on a daddy-daughter date? I was like, okay, Scarlett, I'll take you. So we go to McDonald's, that bastion of health food um, <coughs> options, <coughs> options there. <clears throat> and to, to Scarlett's credit, we're walking into McDonald's, and she stops in the middle of the parking lot and says, Dad, we should grace bomb somebody. I was like, okay, Scarlett. I appreciated that. She's thinking about her neighbors, wanting to do something kind and surprising. So we ended up just paying for a, there's two elderly ladies were paid for their meal that day and it felt really good. But what happened was when Scarlett told me to do that, I put a couple of Grace Bomb cards in my pocket. And later that night, Kristen and I, we dropped the kids off at a little Bible camp. We go on a date night to a, a wings place down the street called Chad's Barbecue. And I had one other Grace Bomb card left in my pocket. And we sit down outside under the starry night. It was a really nice night in Maryland. And the server comes up. And the server says, man, the last couple that just sat out here, it was, they were a young couple like you guys, they just walked out on the check. And I looked at Kristen, and Kristen looked at me, and she kind of had this like gleam in her eye. And I was like, is it me or is it like the Holy Spirit? Like, what's happening here? And it turns out it was the Holy Spirit, although I was looking good that night <laughs> under, the, under the stars. But what she was feeling in her heart was the same thing I was feeling in my heart, like, oh, this is an amazing opportunity. We should, we should try to grace bomb this server. And again, uh, the Lord provided for us enough that night that we were able to pay our check, but then we left a tip that would have covered the walked out bill and that tip too. And we just wrote her a little note of encouragement. And I took that last card I had and I dropped it in the billfold and and we left, and I'm trying to book it out because I'm introvert, and I don't want, you know, I just want to get out quick. Kristen's kind of like dragging her feet, trying to like see, you know, the reaction of the server hiding behind a fern, like what's going to happen when she opens it? It's going to be so cool. And it felt great. And as far as we knew, that was the end of the story. But about two months later, I go back into Chad's barbecue, just picking up to go, doing what I normally do in public. I'm just like down on my phone trying to ignore people. But then Chad, the owner, starts shouting above the line. He's like, hey, you're that dude. You're that dude that did that thing for our server. Thanks for doing that. And then his wife, Christy, who doesn't work there, mind you, she comes up. She's like, yeah, we were all talking about it. Thanks for doing that. It was such a nice thing and a cool concept. Grace bomb. What's that all about? So we start talking about it, and she says, well, would you mind if I share this idea of Grace Bomb with my business network? I'm a realtor, and I like to give good ideas of how to make the community better. I was like, sure, like, go for it. By all means, perpetuate this conversation of grace. Got my wings, went home, told Kristen. I thought, hey, this was cool. And as far as I knew, that was the end of the story. Then I come to find out what Christy did. She gave $100 bills to her whole staff, sent them out to Grace Bomb people. They all took their favorite story, brought it back to her. She put it in a letter and sent that letter to like 200 people in her network, encouraging them to give Grace Bombing a try. And I heard that and I thought, man, God was really rippling out what was just this little thing initiated by a seven-year-old girl. I was starting to see how something small could go wide but it was also right around then when I was seeing the deeper plans of God unfolding. Because it was at a church like this on a Palm Sunday, and I'm preaching about Jesus, 
resurrection, and I look in the back for the first time ever, I see Christy. Christy comes up after the service, very timidly says, hey, I just wanted to let you know that like, I'm joining the church and I'm ending a 20-year silence with God. And it had a lot to do with all that grace bomb stuff that was happening a few months ago because it got me rethinking about what he could be like. And I had found out later that 20 years prior, Christy was moving towards Jesus in a youth group when the leader of that youth group was tragically killed in an act of gun violence in a Dunkin' Donuts in Severna Park, Maryland at 3 a.m. And when that happened, she was devastated and started to say, like, well, if, if God does exist, how can he let this happen? And then a couple years later, she's newly married, has a fresh wind in her sails, you know, expecting a long-lasting marriage, and then was hit by an unforeseen divorce. And she said, when that happened, I walked away from Jesus, God, and the church for 20 years. I haven't brought it up with anybody until about the time that a little seven-year-old girl had run up to her dad's car, wanting to go on a daddy-daughter date, and then grace-bombed somebody. And it was not lost on Christy that the, all those little dominoes that ended up blessing her heart was started by a seven-year-old kid because Christy got baptized and asked if Scarlett and my wife Kristen could be there when she got baptized. And the morning of her baptism, she walks up to Scarlett with a gift. And Scarlett is sitting up there with her seven-year-old smile and pulls out this framed picture of a starfish poem. If you don't know the starfish poem, it's, there's this little kid on the beach and there's thousands of washed up starfish and a grumpy old man. And the kid's just kind of saving one at a time and the grumpy old man sees the kid's like, do you see, do you not see the problem here? Like the thousands of starfish, you're not gonna make any difference. And the little kid just looks at the grumpy old dude and picks up the next starfish, and tosses it in. And then says, well, I made a difference for that one. And Christy looks at Scarlett and says, Scarlett, you were like that little girl in the poem, and I was like that starfish, and never stopped taking Jesus seriously. We don't always get to hear the end of the stories like this. But what I know for sure is Christy is my realtor, and she's your realtor. She's my barista and your barista. She's my coworker and your coworker. She's the person in front of you in traffic that just cut you off. She's the person behind you in line at Walmart. She's your next door neighbor that you're kind of feuding with because the dog keeps crapping on your side of the yard. She is all around you. And there are people all around us with real hurts, real needs, and a desperation for Jesus, perhaps even more than they need their next breath. And wouldn't you know that you, grace-built person, have been placed right in their path, perhaps to light them up with love. It's not for me. It's from Paul. And when he says, we are his workmanship, 
created in Christ Jesus for good works, that God has prepared in advance that we should walk in them. Guys, it's not just for me. It's not just for Pastor Justin. It's not just for the leaders of the church, people singing the songs. It's for all of us. And can you imagine what happens when all of us just simply start to take these steps of faith prepared for us? Imagine what happens in our county, our city, our state, our country, and our world when the church, the bride of Christ, steps into her birthright of driving kindness into the world. And if you're at all afraid to get out there and do that, well, lean into this set of training wheels and dip your toe in the water. So I'm going to pray here in just a second, but first I just want to give you 30 seconds of silence and ask the Lord even now, God, is there somebody already that you've been putting on my heart and now I just need to load, listen, let her go and do something awesome for them? So let me just pause here, ask him that, and then we're going to pray together to close. Well, Heavenly Father, we do thank you. We thank you that you spared no expense when you gave Jesus. When you sent Jesus, who lived the perfect life, died a sacrificial death, and proved all of it was true when three days later he rose from the grave. Help us to know and to walk with Jesus into these adventures, perhaps that you've prepared in advance for us to walk in. Help us to be more mindful of these opportunities. Illuminate them, light them up, stir our hearts. Help us to take these real steps of faith and get better at doing it. Father, perhaps that we'd even be able to spur on a movement of obedience for the altogether good and glorious name of Jesus. We love you and we thank you for these opportunities. We pray this in your mighty name. Amen. So now, guys, as we break the huddle, you can load, you can listen, you can let her go, you can check out gracebomb.org, see what your neighbor will see, and I love to hear about how it's going. Not to brag or to boast or to put our stuff out there, but instead to spur one another on to love and good works. Because here's the deal. We take Grace Bomb to churches all around the country, and people every single day all around the country are in need of real, normal, everyday ways that perhaps the Lord led you. So let us know how it's going. I'd love to hear it. And you guys have an awesome Sunday. See ya.